Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Luke, the ninth chapter. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him, because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and, the bird, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you. Uh, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A few years back, the presiding bishop of our denomination, Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, traveled to our little old Montana Synod gathering of pastors for a week of seminars, question and answer sessions, and collaboration with our Episcopalian partners across Montana and Wyoming. At one point, our bishop reflected on her ministry as a parish pastor before she came, became a bishop and recalled conversations about people no longer making church attendance a priority. She remembered them saying, I don't need to go to church to find God. I find God on the mountains. Her ready retort at, at the time was, are you kidding me? You live in Ohio. <laughs> This is my segue to talk about two ancient mountains, the holy Mount Zion of Jerusalem in the country of Judea and Mount Gerizim in the country of Samaria, basically the Mount Zion for the Samaritans. As we know from many passages from our four gospels, the ancient Judeans firmly believed that it was Mount Zion and Mount Zion alone where God dwelt on earth. That is where the Temple of Solomon had originally been built, and though it was destroyed by the Babylonians centuries earlier, the site of the new temple built by Herod the Great was still revered as God's dwelling place on earth, at least by most Judeans. They hated, they hated their neighboring Samaritans for believing that Jehovah was actually found on Mount Gerizim the mount on which the Samaritans had built their own temple to worship Jehovah, 
and which they believed was the holiest place on earth. The Jews later destroyed this temple because it threatened their belief in the one true God of their ancestor Abraham, who they believed dwelt in Jerusalem. The Samaritans did not acquiesce, however, and start seeking God in Jerusalem on this other mountain. Centuries after their temple was destroyed, Samaritans still firmly believed that the one true God, creator of heaven and earth, was found on Mount Gerizim, and only on Mount Gerizim. While the Jews believed that the one true God, creator of heaven and earth, was found in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, and only in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Between these two groups of people, their beliefs, their worship practices, their societal laws, their scriptures, their rituals, and other religious practices were nearly identical. Yet the fact that the Samaritans and Jews could not agree on which mountain God's dwelling place on earth was God's dwelling place on earth was the cause of fierce division between these two peoples that would never be reconciled. Jews believed that the Samaritans were unholy heretics because they sought God on the wrong mountain. Likewise, Samaritans believed that Jews were unholy heretics because they sought God on the wrong mountain. Many of the same things could be said of Americans these days. There are many issues that strongly and passionately divide us. Even though if you travel around the world, people from other nations will tell you that Americans are some of the easiest foreigners to distinguish uh, because we all seem so similar. We all seem so similar to them and loud, by the way. (laughs) It's kind of an American thing abroad. Yet even though we are similar from the eyes of those outside, we stake out holy ground on issues like gun ownership, LGBTQ inclusion or exclusion, rights of individuals, companies, property, and employees. And much of the holy ground we stake out on these issues seems like they are on completely different mountains. Perhaps the most notable issue this, that came up this week was the Supreme Court ruling overturning the Roe versus Wade decision of 1973, now allowing states to, uh, to again make medical abortions illegal if they so choose. Now, I don't think I need to tell you that many folks have already staked out their holy mountain turf on different sides of this issue and the potential outcomes of this court's ruling. It's probably fair to use terms like pro-life versus pro-choice, as though they were Jews versus Samaritans. Now, we may be inclined to use scripture to determine if there is a biblical answer to sort out this thorny political issue. But our scriptures are surprisingly unhelpful when determining what is God's will on the matter. On the one hand, 
You have creation accounts from Genesis where God calls everything which was created, including people, very good, telling us that there is an essential goodness and sacredness to life. We also have stories like God saving the baby Moses from the infanticide of the pharaohs and Herod the Great doing pretty much the same thing in the Gospel of Luke in order to kill the baby Jesus. All of which are considered evil in the Bible. On the other hand, scriptures tell us that God killed Bathsheba's baby because of David's sin. Though the child was as innocent as any born today. God killed that baby. Likewise, the angel of death killed the firstborn sons of all Egyptians so that the Israelites might be freed. And those same Israelites were commanded to kill all the Canaanites when they entered the promised land, fetuses and their mothers included. And the Bible indicates that all of these baby killings were the will of God. I do not share this to sway you politically one way or another on the issue of abortion. Actually, quite the opposite. If you think your politics make you righteous over and against the other side, then you are like the Samaritans and Jews, each of whom hated the other for their unrighteousness, and each of whom ended up having their temples destroyed on their respective mountains, where God was pleased to dwell no longer. Our opinions and sincerely held beliefs are significant and matter greatly. But they do not determine who is on God's side and who is not. It is God and God alone in whom our redemption is found and that fact cannot be canceled or determined by the policies we endorse or reject in 21st century America. This fact is confirmed in our scripture reading for this week. In Luke 9, beginning with verse 51, we hear that Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. This is a powerful turning point in his ministry. It means that he was now directing his work away from solely doing the miracles of healing and feeding the masses and exercising demons toward his ultimate work of death and resurrection. He turned his face towards Jerusalem because this work would take place on and around Mount Zion, the mountain where the Jews believed God dwelt. He turned his face and ministry towards this mountain, knowing that it would <coughs> result in his death. It was a mountain of death. He would confront the theological politics of Jerusalem and would be killed for it in the place that the Jews considered to be the holiest in the world. On the way, we hear from our passage in Luke that his messengers were sent to a village of the Samaritans in order that they might host Jesus and his disciples. But these messengers were turned away. 
Now the text says that these messengers were turned away because, quote, Jesus' face was set towards Jerusalem. But we can easily imagine a few reasons why a small village of Samaritans would be wary of welcoming such a teacher and his disciples. First off, by this point, we know that Jesus had a significant following and already seemed to be at odds with the establishment. Welcoming him and his people could have seemed to them like they were courting the wrath of the Romans. And this humble village would much rather stay out of it and stay on the sidelines. Additionally, though, Jesus was a Jew. And Jews and Samaritans held each other in mutual contempt for the different mountains that they worshipped on. Why should they stick their necks out for ones that they considered unholy? Surely Jesus and his followers would not do the same for them. As we might expect, James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, responded to this rejection with indignation. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned his face again. When he turned his face this time, instead of rebuking the Samaritans, he rebuked his followers for desiring to command destruction on their enemies. Instead of picking sides, Jesus moved on from the politics of the moment to continue on towards his death and resurrection. He looked past that village to the cross. There he would become the rock of our salvation that could never be destroyed by the Babylonians, never be destroyed by the Judeans, never be destroyed by the Romans, or even by the devil himself. In that moment, Jesus showed us that he did not deal in retribution towards his enemies, but instead with a mercy. A mercy that knows no bounds. Brothers and sisters, though there is much to bring us to despair when we look at the world around us, there is boundless, eternal contentment when we look to the God who became our righteousness for us in Jesus Christ. There is much to make people angry and give up hope that our world was created and is ruled by a loving God. Like James and John, we may even want to command fire upon our enemies. But the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus leads us beyond ourselves so that we do not need to make the kingdom of God on earth ourselves. Though our temples be destroyed, we can find God on the mountains, down in the valleys, on the plains, on our rivers, and on our lakes, and on the seas of this world, because God will not be bound by people, not by any one people, any one politics, or any one nation. The boundless, righteous grace of God is for is for precisely times like these in which we live, so that we may have hope beyond the hopeless, joy beyond our sorrow, peace beyond our conflicts, and love 
beyond our hatred. May you be reassured anew by the love and grace of God this week as much as any other. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.